G'day, Dominic Barfield here, and this is the RVC Clinical Podcast. Thank you for listening, and thank you for subscribing on your smartphone or, or whatever device that you have. We're really grateful for you to take the time to download and listen to this RVC podcast. We don't ask for anything really in return, but actually, well, there, there is one thing. If you could just pop to the Apple Podcast Store um, or iTunes and leave us a review. So a five-star review would be great. Um, we've had uh, a couple sort of recently, and uh, and that's great, and it works on metrics that will push us up on the tree of veterinary clinical podcast information so that if someone sort of types in a veterinary, that at least we, we come up there um, and then enable people who might be like you wanting to find out a bit more of, of this type of of information on this type of podcast so um so please sort of keep it up i can't sort of labor that point more so um that would be that would be great um if you just take a couple of time a couple of minutes over your day and, and give us a review so today this is this is number three of the uh, of the stein sessions trademarked uh and uh, i was talking to uh, dr stein neeson who's one of our internal medics here at the rbc and has been here for it's probably an institution i'm sure one day he'll have a st- statue or, or at least portrait uh, in in the hall as you as you enter um so thank you stein for 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 returning yet again you're welcome. It's a pleasure. And uh, I thought I thought today because uh, interesting in in in, uh, in what's going to happen tomorrow. You know what, what's the what's the next sort of best thing? And, and definitely like uh, like toys. Even though that podcasts have been around for for uh, a lot longer than both of us have been at the RVC, <laughs> it seems to be like a like a like a, a good way to distribute sort of information. But what what are, what are, what is the future for for diabetic um, treatment in in dogs and cats? So yeah. so I suppose that the first question I have would be probably like the the oral hypoglycemic agents do you, do you think are they are they more of a more of a, a, a gimmick or is this something that uh, that you think has some traction for the for the future yeah i mean uh, I, I think there will always be an attraction to replace injections with oral drugs uh, you know uh, and that's true in human medicine with human diabetics but maybe even more so with 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 animals and pets because again you don't get your because you want to stab it with a needle you know it's very yeah different from um, what you intended to do with the pet you wanted to stroke it and now you do a medical procedure like an injection so there will always be a drive to try to get um, the current treatment option which is dominated by insulin injections replaced by something like a pill uh, and that will be sort of the more immediate future of where diabetes will try to go um, and there are some options there are some molecules there um, there, are, there are quite a few molecules in human medicine being being used that's also related to the fact that human diabetics get diagnosed earlier when they still produce enough insulin themselves so there is a difference there because uh, we unlikely as veterinarians get presented with animals at that early stage at this moment in time um, unless we start to actively screen for uh, both the type of diabetes that cats suffer from and the type of diabetes that dogs suffer from so because we get them a little bit late we often are dependent on insulin injections or providing the animal with insulin so a replacement would therefore have to come with something that nurtures the beta cells which uh, are the cells that produce the insulin in such a way that they start producing insulin again or to provide insulin in another uh, way um, and and then talking about the category of drugs that um, that actually can nurture the uh, the beta cells uh, there are a few of those out there 
uh, one of them that uh, that holds the most problem, promise um, are the, sort of the GLP-1 uh, agonists, uh, so glucagon-like peptide. Uh, um, and this is a different category of molecule. Um, it's actually, uh, again, thanks to animals that this molecule was, uh, was uh, sort of uh, discovered. It's one of these uh, uh, lizard-type um, animals, uh, the Gila monster. Uh, which lives uh, sort of in the Las Vegas area in the, in the desert. Uh, in its saliva, they found a molecule that uh, had um, uh, anti-diabetogenic uh, properties, and that further led to the uh, creation of a range of drugs, one of them being exenatide, uh, which is actually a drug that we've got currently a clinical trial uh, going on with at the Diabetic Remission Clinic. So basically, uh, in short, this is a drug that uh, promotes the health of the beta cell and uh, by uh, hopefully giving the beta cells a spa break we can get them back up and running this is most relevant to the cat with diabetes uh, because uh, there we on average still have some beta cells that we can give that spa break to whereas uh, in dogs that is less so the case where often uh, we're too far down the road and the beta cells are not that plentiful anymore so it's difficult to revive those uh, because they're not there anymore um, so this time of drug um, holds some promise, some preliminary data from um, our friends in Zurich, where there's also a diabetes research group, has shown that perhaps it is indeed doing what it is supposed to be doing, and uh, yeah, that those cats treated with this drug uh, had slightly better uh, glucose values. Um, the study that they uh, produced was a little bit too small to show statistical difference, so this was all very preliminary. So hopefully our studies can add to that uh, body of evidence to, to, to see whether or not we should be going down that road. So that's one type of drug that um, um, you know might feature more in the future as well. This is also the reason why we always uh, bother uh, vets, colleagues and students with uh, why diseases occur, because we want to future-proof them. There's no doubt that loads of new drugs will arrive on the scene with diabetes and other diseases as well, but in order for us as vets um, and nurses to, uh, to, to be able to cope with these new developments, um, in the future, you need to understand the diseases. So, because we don't know those drugs just yet, because they might uh, need to still be invented, but we do know the diseases, uh, we can actually therefore treat animals in future with those new molecules as well. That's just a by the by and uh, a justification why I, in my lectures, bother students with all kinds of stuff about etiology. I, th I think it's uh, it's very important. You need to yeah. know how, how things how things come about. Yeah. So could I ask you? So I mean, obviously, like the the grand plan for the future would be like the 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 remission of diabetes or completely or control. But what what does what does diabetic remission like mean mean to you as as a as a as a phrase, what, what what do you or what do you want people to take from that? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question because uh, everyone probably means uh, slightly different things with that. Uh, we actually started a project recently, which is Project Alive, which is agreeing language in veterinary endocrinology. And I, as president of the European Society of Veterinary Endocrinology, was chair of that very first process uh, very um, recently, uh, where we tried to sit around the table with loads of key opinion leaders and uh, other folks uh, from. Uh, the endocrine society to agree with each other what does um, diabetic remission and other terminology actually mean let's all agree that when we say it we mean the same thing um, and one thing that we agreed upon is that uh, in uh, diabetic remission when we talk about that we would um, mean with that that we had a previously diabetic 
animal uh, that for uh, four weeks at the very least does not need insulin uh, injections anymore and remains uh, normal in terms of the glucose values. So, so that's then the official term that we propose to be accepted by the rest of the world and we're still in the process of doing that. Uh, but that would be the diabetic remission uh, phrase that we should all be using in the same way. Um, if we want to cure diabetes then yeah we need to somehow make sure that there is again enough insulin and that's what this is all about. So uh, in the very you know, sort of longer term future although it's closer by than ever before it therefore means that we start to recreate beta cells somehow and stem cell therapy regenerative medicine is probably the way forward there uh, alongside sort of more technological advances so the the bio artificial pancreas is a, another uh, big development where um, you know many people are familiar with these continuous glucose uh, measurement devices so if you implant those but also hook them up with an insulin delivery system then potentially you have created a pancreas of its own um, and with uh, loads of developments in uh, sort of IT technology that is getting closer as well so I think those will be the two main streams either um, well both will probably feature in the, in the future they're not mutually exclusive um, a generation of biological um, endocrine pancreas cells uh, and on the other side um, yeah, the sort of the recreation in, in a sort of robotic kind of way of a pancreas. A lot of these things, so like filtering down and measuring from people yeah. predominantly, are there other things that are filtering up from from the, like what's happening in, in animals? Are there other conditions have some parity or, or they're no. just very... Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, and one of the things that is really important uh, is that... Um, Diabetes costs a hell of a lot of money. Um, so if you are a human with diabetes, you'll have a team of people hopefully taking care of you. So uh, someone who takes care of your feet or if you're an ophthalmologist uh, who looks after your eyes, maybe a psychologist because, you know, it's not uh, easy at times to deal with uh, this disease. An internal medicine specialist, a GP, a diabetes nurse, a dietitian. So, so loads of people. Uh, diabetes therefore is a very expensive disease. It is estimated that it costs the NHS one million pounds an hour this disease uh, through its complications and through the, the care that needs to be given uh, to uh, people with diabetes. So that's a hell of a lot. Now there is a big diabetes epidemic in the rest of the world as well. So in Africa and Asia, and there's no money to deal with that disease in such a way. And that sort of parallels um, the situation in veterinary medicine. So we are cost conscious uh, in veterinary medicine. If you've got a diabetic pet, most people don't have you know billions uh, to, on their bank account to take care of that either. Um, so what we've been doing as well, also at the Royal Veterinary College, is working at... Um, simpler ways of dealing with this disease and one of them is a gene therapy uh, so part of my uh, previous PhD was to develop muscle targeted gene therapy where we injected muscle with a gene uh, that promotes production of insulin by the muscle cells and muscle cells are uh, very uh, funny um, in, in such a way that if you inject a piece of DNA into them they automatically take that uh, piece of DNA up and start producing the protein that that gene codes for so you get a local uh, factory of whatever protein you want really um, so this technology actually is very interesting because you then get continuous production of insulin by a muscle 
Um, not the pancreas, but then again, you know, it's still producing that and it can do that for months on an end. So if you are somewhere in Africa and you don't have access to a hospital, you don't have access to, uh, you know, loads of uh, um, pharmaceutical um, um, yeah, distribution center that, that provides you with all the drugs that we in the Western world rely upon to, to deal with a disease like diabetes, then this sort of solutions where you can be jabbed once every six months to at least prevent you from going into ketoacidosis, that is a really uh, good step forward. And similarly to um, sort of the veterinary world, uh, where loads of pets can't really uh, be treated in a very intense way, either because of economic reasons or uh, demeanor, um, perhaps they, the, their character doesn't suit uh, intense therapy, then a simpler way of dealing with this disease would, would be beneficial as well. So this is where, you know, veterinary, veterinary medicine is sort of leading in a, in a different way uh, developments in the rest of the world also when it comes to human uh, diabetes. I suppose we're using the technology as it comes through that actually works for, for us to make things more affordable rather yeah. than just the, 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 the gimmick sort of aspect of it. Yeah. So you said the, the implantable, um, in the previous podcast about the implantable glucose monitor, so you mm-hmm. could uh, plug and play for, for a couple of weeks and know what, what's happening with the blood glucose. Do you think that as that gets cheaper, that will be a, a more common thing that actually is the initial step or or the actual ongoing monitoring that you have combined with obviously communication and 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 following um a, a sensible sort of diabetic plan absolutely and but but that's not uh far into the future people can go to amazon or some other distributor of course um and and just order these things now already and for you know about 150 pounds i think uh, at the moment you get uh, the freestyle libra um it's you know there are other devices available but this device uh, lends itself very well to both dog and cat diabetes applications you can order those you get two probes with them both either probe can be used for two weeks so it gives you two weeks worth of data these are little discs that we usually plant um, in the neck area uh, with a little probe coming from the desk disc that sits under the skin um, and uh, we put a little bandage around the neck um, so it's going to that an animal goes home um, and then during that two weeks at home doing whatever it wants to do um, and we will still know what the glucose has been um, so that's technology that's available now and like I said 150 pounds or so if you compare that to the traditional glucose curve which is a 12-hour curve every two hours in the veterinary practice or at home that that can be quite expensive as well and some some of these curves and some practices are more expensive than two weeks worth of data using the technology um, that I mentioned yeah absolutely and do you think that so you said before maybe there's there might be even a chip or something even smaller that we'll be yeah. able to to uh, to gather that that information absolutely i don't know if you've got a fitbit or again mm. i don't want to advertise a certain brands more than than others uh, so what is apple watch and uh, we need a third one don't we uh, so uh yeah no. i'm sure there's uh, garmin a, garmin f1 uh, as well so so these things have come up in the last you know couple of years really uh, and uh, they they relatively accurately uh, um, and determine certain bodily functions. Uh, you can do ECGs 
nowadays as well with with your with your phone you know this is only going to get better and more detailed so uh, there are already watches that can uh, monitor your blood glucose or interstitial glucose uh, as a human so it um, this technology will develop even further so I'm, I'm pretty certain that within maybe a couple of years uh, we've got even tinier chips that can be implanted under the skin and can give us probably uh, three months of, of data of glucose data whenever you swipe your cat or dog you know so uh, so that becomes easier um, and also better in terms of welfare because we're not bothering these animals too much and do you think there's further advances that can be made in in diet itself for for, for these for for pets in general, or do you, or or do you think we're sort of encompassed enough of that, and our understanding of diet nutrition is 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 pretty good, or do you think that? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's always stuff to be learned, you know. Uh, so we, we have been discovering more and more that there's a real connection between the gastrointestinal tract and the hormonal systems. Um, and, and studies with bariatric surgery, for instance, have shown that. So if you chop out pieces of the intestine of type 2 diabetics, a large proportion of them go into diabetic remission. This is in humans. Um, so, so why is that, you know? Why, if, if you, um, you sort of get rid of part of the intestinal tract, track um, do we suddenly get resolution of diabetes so um, there's also studies when we do a fecal transplant I hope I hope you're not having a lunch at the moment but uh, so from a person without diabetes to a person with diabetes their diabetes of that person with diabetes either improves or even goes away with certain types of diabetes so this uh, goes on to the theory that there are bugs in microbiota in our uh, guts that also have hormonal effects which are relevant to the diabetes um, so therefore i think there's lots still coming there as well where the diet perhaps starts to manipulate the flora the bacteria you've got in your gut that will then subsequently influence your diabetes in hopefully a good way as well so i think there's more to come there as well and where would you like to see the the future go with more with diabetes research and how we can um, better our diabetic remission in in the patients that we deal with yeah, I, I think uh, we need to better understand why the diseases happen in the first place. Um, so this requires research, this requires therefore funds. So if there's a, a billionaire listening to this podcast, then uh, do, do send us an email. Uh, we can help you uh, use that money in the best possible way. Because if we understand these diseases, that's where always the best treatment modalities come from. Um, so I think, uh, you know, a research into genetics, epigenetics, uh, the interactions like a mentioned uh, with other organ systems those will give us the real gems when it comes to breakthroughs uh, in diabetic treatment um, and they will enable us to come up with less invasive and less um, sort of intrusive treatment modalities so that if you are human or a pet with diabetes it becomes just a thing you've got you know like a little characteristic that isn't necessarily such a negative thing it's just one of the things you know just like you've got a certain hair color well I've, I've got a bit of diabetes but uh, it becomes a side issue rather than something that at times dominates your life um, and then prevention will be the way forward really so if we can really identify the people and animals at risk and prevent it from happening in the first place then then I think we've reached a very comfortable position 
and that would be a, a great place to uh, to pro- probably end this uh, this uh, discussion about the the future. There's one 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 question that I probably would like. Maybe the audience would like to listen to it too, which is why why keep it keep it going. Would be so with uh, with cats, we can uh, in some distinct sort of population of cats, we might be able to get diabetic remission with them. Does that exist with dogs as well? And if not, why do we not see the same rates of that? Yeah, so that comes again uh, down to um, the causes of diabetes. So in dogs, at the moment, we diagnose it relatively late at a stage where uh, not a lot of beta cells, the cells that produce insulin, are left. So it is very difficult to then get them back on track and not being diabetic anymore. So if we can get them earlier, then perhaps we do stand a chance. Or if we start to better identify different types of diabetes in the dog uh, that perhaps are amenable to treatment, then that it would be the way forward as well. I guess a big, big point to make is that diabetes is not a disease. And I see that that confuses you, because uh, and uh, everyone probably listening as well. So diabetes is not a disease. Diabetes is a consequence of diseases. So it is a consequence of either an immune system disease, of pancreatitis. Maybe there are cases of undiagnosed Cushing's or hyperadrenocorticism that causes the diabetes. But the diabetes is the end result of a primary disease process. So if we do more, our best to identify what kind of diabetes either the or the cat has, then we also more likely bump into things that we can fix. Uh, so that's truly where our, our chances are to fix diabetes if we look at the underlying disease processes. So if we treated pancreatitis more effectively uh, or um, any other condition, uh, female entire dogs suffer from diustrus-induced diabetes. So if we take care of the diustrus, i.e. we neuter them, we can fix the diabetes in dogs as well. Now, because in cats we often get to the, um, the disease sooner, and we still have beta cells left, um, they are therefore by definition uh, more amenable to getting them into remission uh, because we can play around and nurture those beta cells to get them to produce enough insulin once again and they can go into diabetic remission. Is there a reason why we notice this more in cats that you just you, you think you've uh, identified? Uh, remission in cats um, to do I, I, yeah I, I guess it, it does come down to the fact that we we have improved uh, our diabetic management and um, and and because again because the cats are at the earlier stage uh, with those improvements in treatment we are able to give those beta cells uh, a bit of a spa break um, and they can therefore resurrect and and give us a period of uh, of good health and therefore not needing insulin it's it's interesting to see, however, that one third of the cats that go into diabetic remission subsequently go into a diabetic state again. So there's more to be done there. Those beta cells are not cured. They probably had a burnout and, and still are suffering from that um, and therefore are vulnerable to once again fail. There's still a, a, a lot to find out, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, definitely. 
Well, thank you very much again for your time, Stein. We'll wrap it up there. And thank you to everyone for listening. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button, and uh, that way you don't even have to worry about missing uh, one of the episodes of the podcast. If you could leave us a five-star review, that would be great. Don't forget to tell your friends, friends or other friends, any friends, that, that's that's fine. We're, we, we, uh, we're, we're an open book here. Um, we'll play some show notes on the RVC pages, so just type in the RVC Clinical Podcast in your search engine and should be top of the tree. Or you could go to the Diabetic Remission Facebook RVC Facebook page as well if you have any comments and suggestions for this podcast um, you can either email me at dbarfield at rvc.ac.uk or you can tweet at Don Barfield many thanks again for your time Stein no worries and until next time bye bye